Friday afternoon. It is a great Friday for Liberty Flames fans. We will get to our projections in the Conference USA Championship game in a little bit, about five minutes from now, in our votes of confidence. And then tons of insight. But there's also Liberty basketball and, yes, a rub for them, JMU football, that we get to right now in our Fast Five at Five-ish. It's time for the Fast Five at Five-ish. Five fast-paced, quick-witted things you need to know right now. Number five. So did an InsaneRadioDeals.com fast take about this earlier today. Shameless plug, of course, here in the fast lane. And for Liberty and JMU, their fans loathe the idea of any kind of comparison But I actually get some similarities, not the same, but similarities in terms of the projection and appeal that both those programs have. Here are the major similarities. They both have shown the ability to make the jump from one AA FCS, where JMU actually was more successful than Liberty, to one AFBS, where JMU, they've had their success, but no real recognition of it because of the NCAA's stupid archaic rules. Meanwhile, Liberty, you could argue they've had even more success, particularly with what Hugh Freeze was able to do, getting them victories against Power 5 teams like Syracuse, Virginia Tech, and BYU, not to mention Arkansas. Um, I, I guess we'll technically put BYU in the mix. So they've got that, which JMU does not. But Liberty can notch another one of those tonight with a Conference USA Championship game, and for all the perception around CUSA being inferior to the Sun Belt. New Mexico State, they've been good. Liberty, they've been great. Uh, But I I get the similarities between those two teams. Here's the one thing to remember, though, when you're trying to appeal to a head coach to come to JMU to take the place of Kurt Zanetti, who I get why he left. He's in his mid-60s or young 60s, um, and there's only so many years left he'll have to chase a Power 5 opportunity, and it's unlikely he's going to get one immediately at one of the bigger jobs. So you roll the dice with Indiana and see if you can make something out of it in the ever-becoming, much more challenging Big Ten. But Liberty, the big asset they have, we saw when Jamie Chadwell came into the program last year, is between their school having... Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. And the ability to direct a larger alumni base to put those... Dollar, dollar bills. Into a pretty strong collective, that is a difference for Liberty. Not quite the pedigree of JMU on the gridiron, but certainly the ability to have more resources and offer a coach than what JMU has, which is why I don't expect JMU to make the same kind of splash Liberty did, luring a very successful, high-profile Group of Five coach in Jamie Chabwell, who's had a great first year. Speaking of the Liberty Flames, number four, they lost last night to Florida Atlantic. And what stood out about that game is not the final margin being over 20 points or the fact that the Owls pushed it to 30 in the latter stages of that game. It's the fact that this is a top 10 caliber team in the country. I get you can roll your eyes at some of Richie McKay praising the opposing team, but I do believe he's pretty accurate when he says that if Florida Atlantic, this version, not as a program, But this version was in the SEC or the ACC or the Big Ten or somewhere else, Big 12. They'd be getting more recognition for what they've done overall as a basketball program. Every time Liberty made a run, and they made a couple of them, they cut it to 11 or cut it to 14, Florida Atlantic would respond right back. That's the mark of a really good proven team. Will they be that way in the next couple of years? Perhaps not if Dusty May and all the top players leave and they basically have to rebuild. But 
Right now, that is as tough a team as Liberty has faced. And they got it around this time last year with Alabama. They get it this time with FAU. Just a reality check for Liberty that they can still win Conference USA men's basketball and make a run, but they're going to have their work cut out for them uh, to compete on that level. And it gives you an idea that you may need some breaks if you want to make a deeper run in March Madness. Number three. Speaking of aspirations to make runs in March Madness, they seem to be growing a little bit more faint for the Virginia Tech Hokies men's basketball team. Final margin in the teams, I don't think told the whole story of their game against Auburn on Wednesday night in the ACC-SEC Challenge. However, for Virginia Tech, the ability to protect the basketball was the number one thing that stood out about this team, and frankly, the number one thing that if I'm a fan of Virginia Tech, has got to be considered maddening. 21 turnovers, 30 points off turnovers for Auburn. The assist to turnover ratio, 7 to 21. That ain't good. And turnovers committed, 21 to 30 points for Auburn. Virginia Tech right now, I know they played nine guys that had 10 plus minutes or nine plus minutes in the game, but it feels like they're trying to still fight for the best lineup combination. Now, granted, Two of their losses, the South Carolina one may not look very good, but Auburn shouldn't look that bad. They're 5-1, and one, and certainly FAU, as we mentioned a moment ago, is not terrible. But right now, you just kind of get the feeling Virginia Tech men's basketball is still trying to find their identity. Number two. Speaking of finding their identity, I thought Virginia did a very good job leaning in to their identity to get a victory against Texas A&M this past Wednesday. For all the warts of Buzz Williams, his teams play immensely hard and are willing to get physical. And while Texas A&M out-rebounded Virginia, to the Wahoos' ever-loving credit, they were willing to play physical. They were able to slow the game down. They were comfortable in that matchup. I mean, look again, you're looking at a final score of 59-47, which, of course, goes well under any type of Las Vegas win total or, or Las Vegas over-under point total for that game. But Virginia controlled the pace of the game. They played their starting five the majority of the time, all of them getting over 31 minutes of action in that game. They really didn't use the bench too much except for a spell here or there. But that's the type of game where if you're Virginia, you at least have the identity of who can help you play physical and who can help you control the game. Speaking of reality checks. And number one on the Fast Five at Five-ish. The Virginia Tech Lady Hokies got one last night in that loss to LSU. A loss where LSU, with Angel Reese back in the fold, showed that I, I do believe there is a ceiling that LSU has with their nat natural talent that Virginia Tech is going to have to play better than they normally would. I don't think it was the most physical game inside from Liz Kitley, and it looked like Georgia Amor really struggled at times defending the guards for LSU. Look, that's a real stern challenge, and we've seen Amor and Kitley play better, but if I'm Kenny Brooks, that's why you want that matchup. It's different than the narrow loss to Iowa, which is on that neutral court and about a 50-50 Iowa-Virginia Tech fan split. That was in a hostile atmosphere at LSU, the defending champions, with a lot of returning players who remember how hard Tech played them last year. They got LSU's best effort. Tech was not up for the challenge last night, but that is the type of win that I don't think diminishes what they can do this year, but it does show that there's less margin for error and they're going to have to play better and force other teams to not play as well. And there is your Fast Five at five -ish. Pivoting away from looking back and now a chance to look ahead into our votes of confidence. Nothing provides the intended inspiration quite like a vote of confidence. The confidence I think that the team has. You know, winning makes you feel good. It makes you confident. 
Now, here's our votes of confidence, inspiring you with the certainty you're seeking. Liberty hosting New Mexico State over at Williams Stadium in the Conference USA Championship game. Flames are anywhere from a 10 to an 11 and a half point favored, depending on where you shop. And the over-under of 57.5. Trey, you lead us off. I'm going over 57.5. I think both offenses will will score in this one. And uh, I'm flipping. I'm going to go with New Mexico State getting the cover. I think I, I gave a score of 35-31. I think that, that could get it done. I'll take it if you're giving me Liberty at 10. Most places I've seen have been 10.5, 11, or 11.5. I'll take Liberty because I think 10 feels about right uh, in terms of Liberty being able to add an extra score, maybe a field goal after the touchdown, uh, and be able to get the push. At 11.5, I'd actually take New Mexico State. So just a little word to the wise on that one. I'm with you, though, on over 57.5. Both these offenses click, and I think the pressure to put up points is going to matter quite a bit. Trey, doubleheader of college football tomorrow on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app and VTR in Southside 106.3. Michigan. 21.5-point favorites against Iowa for the Big Ten title game. 34.5 the point total. 35 nothing Michigan. So Michigan covers and the overhits. I'm with you on both of those. Meanwhile, the SEC championship game, that actually comes before Michigan and Iowa. Michigan-Iowa is tomorrow night, tomorrow afternoon. Game one, 3.30 airtime. Georgia and Alabama in the SEC championship game. Georgia favored by five and 55.5 is the point total. Well, yesterday I talked about how uh, Alabama should not get in the playoff over Texas. If they beat Georgia, I kind of teased where I was leaning in this game. And uh, yeah, I don't think it will be an issue because Georgia will roll in this one. I'll take over as well. I'm over 55 and a half like you, Trey. I think Georgia is just better. People forget Alabama's kind of struggled at points this year. And their best win of the year, if you really look at it on paper, is probably the Kentucky win, which th- there's not a ton there for Alabama. Maybe the LSU win, but, uh, you know, uh, LSU's probably the best win. LSU or Kentucky, one of those two. To other conference championship games, Trey, tonight, Oregon, nine and a half point favorite against Washington out in Las Vegas, 65 and a half. Oregon's been one of the best teams in the country lately, so give me Oregon and give me the over 65 and a half. I think they want to make a statement. I actually go under 65 and a half. I think Oregon controls this game in a number of ways, in part because if you listen to a lot of the talk around Washington, Michael Penix has not been very healthy for the last half of the year. Washington kind of leaking oil, and they've been able to patchwork their way to you know close wins here and there. I just don't think that works tonight against Oregon. I got them at eight and a half earlier. I'd still take them at nine and a half, uh, all the way up to ten, and I go under 65 and a half. Big 12 time. Title game tomorrow. Texas, 15-point favorite against Oklahoma State from Dallas. 54.5, the point total. Texas needs the points, so give me Texas, but give me the under 54.5. I'm going with your logic on Texas, which is also why I will go over 54.5. I think Oklahoma State can get enough points to push that over, and Texas not going to let off the gas. ACC title game. Do the Florida State Seminoles win, or the actual ACC team, whereas that is to say Louisville, do they get the victory? Is FSU Louisville an actual one? ACC team? Probably more than FSU, which wants out of the conference. Well, Florida State's been in the conference longer and is an what original, whatever. It does matter. That's a different argument. Florida State and over 46 and a half. I'm on the other side. The injuries to Rodemaker at quarterback for FSU are real. If not, they go with a guy who had four career passes entering the game. I like Louisville and Jeff Brom off a short week. I just think Florida State, again, like Washington, kind of leaking oil at the wrong time, even though for FSU it's at one position. It's, it's a key position. More injury than bad play. Um, Yes. 46 and a half. I'm going under. I think Louisville wants that type of game. To the NFL, triple header on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. Uh, Washington Commanders hosting the Miami Dolphins 49 and a half. 
Dolphins and over. It's gonna be a shootout, but Dolphins pull away and get get the uh, get a ten point win. Nine and a half is the line. Trey likes Washington or the Commanders to uh, not cover. He likes Dolphins. I like Washington to cover. Favorites had a great week last week, so I think dogs, generally speaking, should have a very good week this week. The book's rarely going to lose two weeks in a row, and often that means dogs and unders cash. I go under as well in this one. I think it's kind of a sloppy game on that field. It's hard to get traction at FedEx Field, as we've seen Robert Griffin III and plenty of other years up there. Uh, I don't think that's quite resolved, so I think a mucky field, nasty field, slows the game down and gets the under and commander's cover in play. Trey, here it is. 49ers against the Eagles from Philadelphia. Niners, I got them at two and a half earlier. They're at three now and an over-under of 48. Uh, Philadelphia at home, over 48. I'm, I'm just, I know they're my team, but after the last two weeks, I'm just, I don't care. I'm, I'm, I think the Eagles, they win these games, and they're 10-1 and one for a reason. So, And I think they want this game to kind of prove a point from last year. So give me Philadelphia and give me the over 48. When it comes crashing down, the luck going your way, it comes crashing down. Philly's gotten a lot of breaks from drop passes I think it might for happen so many next games. Week. Um, I think it happens this week. The Niners have Debo, have Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle, who are all great at working the middle. The Eagles have real, really no depth at linebacker in their secondary, frankly. They've had issues as well. If the Niners can block up the Eagles, and it even to a certain extent, it may not be all game, but enough, I think the Niners win, cover, and I actually think it's not all that comfortable. I do go over 48 as well. Last game, Trey, Green Bay, six-point underdog at home against the Chiefs to cap off our slate, 42.5. Kansas City in the over. Kansas City in the over for you. On the other way, Green Bay, dogs keep it close again. And the under in play, that has been a cash cow for Kansas City. When we return, WSET's Dave Walls, then Oliver Hutchinson of College Football Network, next here in the Fast Lane.